I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Well, if you've made it this far... Congratulations. We're on episode (laughs) three. Hopefully the audio will be much better than it was last time. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we spent some time trying to work on it, so hopefully some time. <laughs> yes, and we've learned a few things about the um, posting of podcasts and the time frames and why we shouldn't stress over stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> it's been kind of a week, hasn't it? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But we made it, and now we're here with episode three coming at y'all. Yeah. We have any business to discuss? Any? I mean, well, it's Labor Day weekend, yes, so we've yes. had that extra day, which has been nice. I'm not really looking forward to going back to work tomorrow. But. <laughs> I have to go back to work too. <laughs> my kids get an extra day off, and my husband took tomorrow off to hang out with them. I'm not bitter or jealous. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say I will be gone on Friday because we're uh, going down to Houston from. My little nephew Charlie's birthday, Yay. which I'm excited to see him. Happy so. birthday to him. Auntie loves you. <laughs> <laughs> My niece's birthday was last Friday, so happy belated birthday to her. Yeah. I felt like there was something I, I was I know, I felt like you. there was something I was going to tell you, and I forgot, so... Oh, there was one thing I wanted okay. to say. I did want to say thank you to all the people who have been so supportive for us, yes. and um, the outpouring of love has just been uh, amazing. Yes. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. Our Facebook page has blown up, which is amazing. Thank you. And our Instagram now has a yeah. lot of followers. So thank you. Yeah, we just we appreciate each and every one of you. Yes, we do. A hundred percent. Just wanted to say that really fast. I also have a disclaimer. I woke up yesterday and we were um, in my husband's hometown and it's out in western Oklahoma and it's very dry there, but they have a lot of cedars and (laughs) yeah, cedars are the death of me. And so allergies if you hear me sniffling i really do apologize i'll try to cut most of that out but all right well do you want to go first do you want me to go first we are doing paranormal i know we're doing our (laughs) first spooky one for paranormal we're gonna kick off this spooky season yeah i will say um i think i already told you earlier but when I was typing up my notes, mm-hmm. I was home by myself, and <laughs> I was like, oh, this is fine. I'll just, you know, I don't mind the quiet. No, apparently it freaks me out <laughs> writing notes about ghosts and hearing all of these noises. I had to turn music on because yes. I freaked myself out. That's so funny. <laughs> I did want to say that the mansion that I'm going to talk about does have spooky season tours coming up. So Jess and I are going to go on. We don't know which one yet. I don't. We hadn't decided which one to go on yet, did we? No, we okay. we haven't decided. We just know remember. we definitely are yes. going to go. Yes, and so tickets go on sale September 9th, which I think is this coming Friday, or yeah. release day, the day that this releases. So if you are interested in the mansion that I talk about, then go to their website and figure out how to buy tickets for their spooky tours. But yeah, let's get to it. I am covering the Overholzer Mansion, which Mm -hmm. is in Oklahoma City. I grew up in the Oklahoma City area, so this is kind of like near and dear to me. I've driven past it before. We used to play soccer over at Overholzer Lake. Overholzer Lake is where I also learned how to drive a boat and unsuccessfully (laughs) put it onto the um, boat trailer. I could take it off. I couldn't put it back on. Well, I have to say, I'm really excited because I honestly... I mean, I've probably heard the name, mm-hmm. but I know absolutely nothing about it. I've never been there. Yes. I, um, But I am excited to yes. hear about it. I've never been inside the actual mansion, but I have driven past it probably 
a bazillion times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting simply because Henry Overholzer is considered the father of Oklahoma City. And he's not even from Oklahoma, so it's kind of a neat history. First, let me go over my sources. I use the Henry and Anna Overholzer Mansion website at www.overholzermansion.org. And that's where you'll buy tickets if you want to go on their spooky tour. Yes. I also use the book Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker, Erie, Oklahoma by Heather Woodward, an article from the Daily Oklahoman in 2019 called Overholzer Mansion in OKC Still Has Scary Tales, and it was written by Teresa Black Bradway and, of course, Wikipedia. <laughs> The location of the Overholzer Mansion is found at 405 Northwest 15th Street in Oklahoma City. It's interesting because the address is 405 and the area code for yeah. the Oklahoma City area is 405. And I wonder if that's a coincidence or if it's meant yeah, to be I like was, that. Um... I was curious about that yeah. when you said that. <laughs> um, it was built in 1903 by Henry and Anna Overholzer. It is a huge mansion. I mean, obviously it's a mansion, so it's mm-hmm. going to be huge, but 11,000 square feet home wow. with a carriage house of 4,000 square feet. Well, I've seen pictures of mm-hmm. it, and it's a beautiful house. Oh, it's beautiful, Yes. And I was wondering, like, at first I was like, what would you need 4,000 square feet for a carriage house? But, like, in 1903, they actually used carriages. Right. (laughs) And so they had to have a lot of horses and carriages. And, of course, you know, he probably had a lot of cars when they started being produced. So Now, oh, never mind. I'm just going to wait until you keep talking before I ask a question. (laughs) At the time that it was being built, it cost 30 $38,000, which in today's money would be $1,280,000. Oh, wow. I think that's a bargain. I mean... An 11,000 square foot home for $1,000,000. Now, are, uh, okay, I'm going to ask any. Okay. <laughs> you can shoot me down. Okay. Do, uh, are you going to talk about how he got his money? Yes. With, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it is oh. currently owned by the Oklahoma Historical Society and managed by Preservation Oklahoma Incorporated. So here's some of the backstory. Henry Overholzer is considered by many to be the father of Oklahoma City. His home is considered the first mansion built in Oklahoma City. That's cool. It is found in the Classen Highland Park Edition, now called Heritage Hills. When construction began, Overholzer purchased three lots for the mm-hmm. home to be built on, which was kind of extravagant at the time Uh but you can see why when your home is that big right um henry and his wife though not yet married both arrived in oklahoma for the run of 1889 oh okay so they're not neither one of them are originally from oklahoma but they participated in the land yes And when they came, I believe they were engaged. Mm -hmm. When they came, Henry was 43 at the time and Anna was 18. Oh, scandalous. (laughs) This was also his second marriage. Um, He was a very successful businessman from Ohio. He had two children from a previous marriage. And incidentally, his son Edward from his first marriage became Oklahoma City's first mayor. Oh. Even though Henry ran two times and was never elected mayor his son was that's funny that's kind of cool though yeah it is Uh, henry built the first two-story buildings in oklahoma city however they were both torn down in 1907 so what were they it i couldn't find what they were it was just they were the first two-story buildings built Henry ran for mayor twice, but didn't win. He did become county commissioner, though. During his time in Oklahoma City, he built the Overholzer Opera House and the Overholzer Theater. He also helped the Chamber of Commerce purchase the land for the Oklahoma State Fair. Oh, okay. The home was built in the Queen Anne and Chateauesque style at the time these styles were considered out of style or out of date because most homes were being built in the mission craftsman and prairie styles what year was this 
1903. Okay. The Overholsers were considered the center of social life there in Oklahoma City. While their house was being built, friends complained that they were building (laughs) it out in the middle of the country, far away from all the downtown city action. But, you know, (laughs) they're going to go where the social elite are. So everybody still came to their home. That's Um, so funny. When building or when, yeah, when construction was complete, this appeared in the February 28th, 1904 edition of the Daily Oklahoman. There was a big opening event for the home. I guess the public could come and like tour it. Did they bring housewarming goods? I mean, I probably so it. (laughs) smacks a lot of you know like british society like you could Uh go in and you can tour mansions and like small castles when the family was out out or at the town or something if the flag was up they were there yes (laughs) so this is what it was said the house is a sermon on beauty it is uplifting and ennobling as works of art are ever. The taste with which it has been decorated and is being furnished is flawless and shows a praiseworthy mastery of the subject and the whole Overholzer house is an incomparable example of the possibilities of beautiful home building. Yeah, those are some flowery words there. It's like the second time I've found such a flowery comment of such a subject. Such an elegant I... <laughs> way of speaking. <laughs> I know. I right? mean it sounds nice. Could someone come to my house and say that? <laughs> say those things about your house. Never will. <laughs> the Legos just glisten with <laughs> awesomeness. <laughs> I couldn't think of that. As anything. your toe pierces one. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Once the house was finished being built, they often hosted weddings and dinners and literary events there. So it was very much a part of the social society there in Oklahoma uh, City. Oh, question. Okay. How long did it take for the whole house to complete? I think complete? just maybe a year. Oh, well, that was, that's fast. Yeah, not very long, I don't think. Okay. I don't know. It says that it was built in 1903 and then it opened in 1904 okay so i'm assuming just a mm-hmm. year when you can afford a house that big you can probably afford well all they're the probably workers. employing local oh. a lot of local people too <clears throat> yes i think and could have people shipped in from mm-hmm. everywhere the Overholsers had one daughter together. Her name was Henry Ioni, or it could be Ione. I'm not sure which way they chose to pronounce it. Jess and I listened to two pronunciations of it. Okay, wait. Her, <laughs> they had a daughter. Yes. And her name was Henry? Yes. That poor child. Did she I, go by Ioni? I'm assuming she went by Ioni. I hope, she, or maybe Henry Ioni together. But maybe when your dad was... I mean, he was a big shot, so maybe she did go by Henry Ioni Overholzer. I am just appalled. (laughs) She was born at the mansion in 1905. So in 1905, it was opened. I don't know if it started before 1903. In 1911, Henry had a stroke. He never really recovered and lived as an invalid in the mansion until his death in 1915. When Henry died, this is kind of a neat thing. Uh, Oklahoma City closed down for two days in mourning. Oh, wow. um, And to celebrate, you know, everything that he had contributed to Oklahoma City. So he lived, you know, for almost, I mean, four years as an invalid. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. wasn't able to get out of the home after that. Yeah. In 1940, Anna would pass away, and then the mansion was passed to their only child, Henry Ioni, and her husband, David J. Perry. Henry Ioni and David had no children, so when Henry Ioni passed away in 1959, David was left with the mansion. Hmm. In 1970, David had the mansion placed on the National Registry of Historical Places. And then in 1972, David sold the mansion along with all of its contents to the Oklahoma Historical Society. Mm-hmm. David stated it was what Mrs. Overholzer would have wanted that um, when she was dying, she said that hopefully the mansion would go to the city or the state. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are we ready for some ghost stories? so ready. Okay. Most ghosts are considered to be that of the Overholzer family. It is said that the ghosts are mostly concerned with the present-day condition of the home. It's being kept relatively close to that of the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Most activity happens in the nursery, 
which Henry Ione was born in the mansion, so you can imagine that there were lots of things going on in there. The Monroney bedroom, I don't know like why it was called that or what the meaning behind Monroney bedroom was. Maybe we'll find out when yes. we go. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I need to quit hitting this <laughs> <test. laughs> okay. The collections area, which is a storage area adjacent from the ballroom. Mm-hmm. The parlor. Henry did die in the house on the second floor, and the parlor is the site of his funeral. How many floors are there, did it say? I think there's three. Maybe okay. four. I think for sure there's three. For sure there's three. And you said he died on the second? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe that's where the Monroney bedroom is. Maybe. Ooh. And then his funeral actually took place in, in, the, in the, the house? In the house, yes. Okay. And then the North Carriage House stairway, they see a lot of um, activity there. Interesting. People are said to experience feelings of fear, anticipation, hair standing, being watched in queasiness. Doors close on their own with no draft. Curtains are pulled back by invisible persons. It's said to be Anna waiting for Henry to come home. I read two accounts on that. Yeah. Um, something was going on one day, like someone, I can't remember the exact story, but someone, like they were moving into one of the houses in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and the house was already like a museum at this time. And the person said that they looked at the house and they saw someone staring out the third floor window. And the next day, or I don't know if it was the next day or if it was like later the day or later in the night or something, the person asked, was there like an event at the house? Was yeah. there like a cleaner there or something? And, uh-huh. the, and they were like, uh, there's nobody there. And they're like, uh, there was somebody standing oh. in the third floor. Creepy. And woo, just gives you kind of goosebumps. Yeah. Brooms have been discovered just in the hallway. Randomly. Um, the creepiest thing. This, I think, is the creep. If I ever were to experience this. Oh, I don't know. But beds have been left with impressions in them. And you are, you're not allowed on the beds. And people have seen like impressions. Yeah, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yes, it does. thinking about that. And then I have this. It's, oh, this is a story. Maybe this is the story I was telling you about and I just ruined it. No, it wasn't. Okay, good. <laughs> so what, this is from the book Ghost and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Rickseeker, page 35, which is over the Overholzer Mansion. And it says, this worker, he claims that the miniature bathtub in the nursery seems to move forward a little bit at a time. I have never physically witnessed the movement, but it appears to be in a slightly different place each time I enter the room. Who is he? He's a worker that works there, one of the Dawsons. Oh, gross. So, hmm. There has been the apparition of Anna, her head and body only, often seen floating through the house. She's, I believe, the one that most people do come in contact with. She's been seen peering out from the third floor window. A woman has been seen gliding out of the music music room on the first floor and crosses the hall presences are felt odd noises the smell of roses which was anna's favorite scent motion detectors go off alarms will go off at night when the house is closed up and locked and i'm pretty sure like oklahoma city police department has responded several times (laughs) and nobody's been there workers have heard their name called when no one else was there which is i don't know i think that might be creepier than the bed impressions because <laughs> to walk in somewhere and have something called just your to be name working and knowing that you're alone and then be like jess jess oh gross <laughs> during tours because yes you can tour the house spooky and like i said before spooky season tours are coming up The tickets actually go on sale Friday, September 9th. We're not sponsored by them, but hey, if they want to sponsor us, come on. (laughs) People have felt their hair being pulled, which I think is rude, (laughs) and felt like they've been pushed, which is also rude, I think. Hopefully they're not on the stairs when that happens. Right. 
People who have seen Anna say that she's wearing a pearl decked white lacy gown um, with a 1900 hairstyle, the kind that is like piled up on top of your head. Yeah. Historians believe that this is the gown that she wore to a 1900 reception for President and First Lady William McKinley. Oh. So huh. um, U.S. Senator Mike Monroney and his wife stayed in the mansion. Mike Monroney? Yeah. Is that where the bedroom name oh. comes from? Maybe. Oh. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> connected that dot and I did. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyways, he stayed in the mansion in the <laughs> 1950s and 60s. They claimed to have seen Anna walking across from the front parlor to the music room. They just saw him walking across. Gross. Tanya McCoy Womack from Oklahoma Paranormal Association. She's also the author of the book Haunted Oklahoma City. Has felt presences in the house of Anna, Henry, Henry Ione, a nanny or a maid, and a workman in the basement. Because, of course, there's a basement. Oh, there's got to be a creepy basement. <laughs> and most importantly, or I think this is most important, it is said that the ghosts love visitors. And so but they if like you, to push you. Yeah, pull your hair, I guess. <laughs> so when you visit, they say, go in, say hi, tell them you're a friend. And um, if you do that, maybe you'll get to have a spooky ooky experience oh. with them and that's the overholzer mansion well that was interesting yes i i cannot wait to visit yeah we'll definitely have to go yeah we'll have to go visit our grandmother too if she knows that we're yeah in town and yes. you don't go see her uh, yes we might have problems oh <laughs> <laughs> okay well are you ready for mine yes yes okay i'm this might be a little long. I did cut it quite a bit because <laughs> I need to remember that I'm not writing a history paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just doing an episode. All right. So I'm doing the Thomas Gilcrease house in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I've actually, I've been inside the house. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that too okay. because, no, I don't want to say it. I don't, but yeah. That's pretty cool that you've got to do that. Uh, yeah, I got to do a workshop with um, Tulsa Regional STEM Alliance. And they have a two-week workshop for educators called Sensational Science. And we got to go there and they practiced um, excavating. We had some, I think they were PhD students in archaeology because mm-hmm. TU has an archaeology program. Mm-hmm. And they were teaching us how they go and excavate things here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fun. And the actual workshop took place in the Gilcrease mansion, house well, that's, mansion. That's really cool because that's a very rare yes. treat. And then my family pictures were taken in front of it last year. We've had family pictures yeah. taken, not like right in front of the house, but we have had them. Yeah, we're sitting Gilcrease, on the stairs. But... <laughs> well, my sources are Tulsa's Haunted Memories by mm-hmm. Terry French, Weird Oklahoma by Wesley Treat. I didn't write the name of the article I used, so but it's from KJRH Channel 2 News Oklahoma, Gilcrease.org, hauntedhouses.com, and Thomas Gilcrease, founder of the Thomas Gilcrease Institute of American History and Art by David Randolph Milston. That was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Thomas Gilcrease House. It is located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and if you're from Tulsa or any of those surrounding areas, there's a pretty big possibility that you've been there or at least have heard mm-hmm. of the Gilcrease Museum. Yes. It's, I know for me, when I was in elementary school, we probably went at least once a year. Yes. So I'm very familiar with that, and it's actually really neat. Isn't it currently closed for renovations? Yeah. They tore the whole thing down, and now they're going to rebuild. Yeah, they're, you can can't go there right now I think you might still be able to go to the gardens because there's like 23 different gardens yeah but you can't actually go to the museum because mm-hmm. it is currently closed for renovations okay. and I think they did tear it all the I way down they they're completely tear, yeah. rebuilding it mm-hmm. if I'm I, I think. think you're right interestingly enough the Gilcrease house is actually considered the most haunted place in Tulsa is it really yeah and and <sighs> it's interesting because the history of the house it's not filled with any kind of like dark tragedies that's or... how the overholster house was too there was nothing yeah there's been no tragedies or disasters like yeah. it doesn't have a dark history mm-hmm. that's what's interesting but there are so many sightings and 
in firsthand accounts of spooky, ghostly encounters that just kind of spreads throughout the entire I feel robbed. Property. So it's just... I feel just, robbed. I had no encounters it, while I was there. <laughs> None. Well, and... Rude. So a little bit of background, because it's important. The property, which consisted of some 80 acres of land, was first owned by Grover and Pearl Mackey. Now, Grover Mackey was of Osage descent. Okay. So he was on the Osage rolls. And the land was part of the allotment given to him Mm -hmm. at the turn of the century when the federal government dissolved the uh, Indian nations Mm -hmm. and gave like 160 acres out for private ownership. So this is where this land came from. Okay. On December 13th, 1909, the Mackeys sold the 80 acres of Black Dog Township located in Osage County, Oklahoma, which is two and a half miles northwest of Tulsa, to get this name, Flowers Nelson. He was a prominent Tulsa lawyer. He. He. So we have a Henry Ione daughter and a Flowers Nelson. (laughs) It's just interesting. I don't know where the name came from. I honestly tried to look him up, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't find any information other than in the sources that I used. And it was just that he was a big time Tulsa lawyer. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed. Slightly. Well, it makes me think maybe Flowers wasn't his real name. Maybe. Yeah, good point. But anyway, I digress. This locale gave a wide view across the city. It does. And because it's on a hill. Yes. It gives quite the view of the south and east and then another of the Osage Sill. Sill. Hills. (laughs) On the west and north. Those big things back behind it. (laughs) Just lumps in the ground. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I thought it was going to be better this go around, but apparently not. You have a lot of editing to do again. Hopefully it goes better than it did last week. Well, we are recording a little earlier, so this maybe... Uh, and our dinner is being cooked for us again. Yes. Her husband's a saint. <laughs> All right. Flowers Nelson, he, like I said, he was an esteemed lawyer in Tulsa. There's a couple different sources mentioned different versions about Flower Nelson and how like the building of the house. There's just different stories about the house being built. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And one source stated that Nelson was building this house for his fiancée, Carrie, and so that they would have a place to live when they got married. Unfortunately, Carrie died a very sudden and tragic death before the house was completed, and Nelson just couldn't bear the thought of living there without her. Mm. Another source said that Flowers and Carrie were already married and owned the property together, and said, like, It was being built, and another one said it was already built. So I have no idea. We're going to kind of go with that he and her were already married because more sources said that they were. Well, um, jumping ahead to 1913, Thomas Gilcrease, where the name of the house comes (laughs) from, was a very, very wealthy Mm -hmm. oil man. Oh, yes. And he was an avid collector of um, especially Native American art and history. And he lived just south of Tulsa, kind of like where Glenpool is now. He was apparently driving in his car. I don't know what he was doing. There's different sources say different things. But he was driving in his car when he saw this house, this two-story house made of rock being built on this hill. And he was impressed that they were using native sandstone and that they were, uh, the view was one thing that really impressed him. And so he ended up stopping and talking to this Flowers Nelson and immediately made an offer on the house to buy it. The offer was actually accepted on December 26th of 1913. So that's how Thomas Gilcrease acquired the house and the property. A little bit about the house. It was square-shaped, two-story sandstone house. Mm -hmm. And once completed, it boasted of a grand foyer Mm -hmm. with winding stairs and not one, but two great rooms on each either side when entering from the front Mm -hmm. front door both great rooms had fireplaces hardwood floors that connected to other rooms on the first floor the living room formal dining room breakfast nook and kitchen which is where the butler's pantry can be found are located on 
the south side of the foyer. It was mentioned that part of the section was where Gilcrease's private suites were. Mm -hmm. Upstairs, there's a long hallway with several closets, a bathroom, and three bedrooms. The upstairs also has a veranda, which has a beautiful view of downtown Tulsa and of the east side of the hills. There's also a hobby room that uh, has like low ceilings and a lot of windows to showcase an amazing panoramic view mm. of the hills to the west. So we when I was there, we weren't allowed on the second floor. We entered, when we entered the house, we couldn't enter from the front door. We had to, we really? had to enter like servants from the back door. So we walked through the kitchen. You peasants. I know. <laughs> and I just remember like the kitchen floor was that black and white like checkered print tile oh and like then, the big ones or like the little tiny the big ones oh. it was big so i don't know how long it had been there but mm-hmm. i mean a lot of renovations had been done because i think they used to use the house as an event space but i don't think they do anymore no I think it's mainly sometimes they have uh, educational classes and I think it's mainly for kids Yeah, when they have them, but I don't think they have them very often. No, I don't. I think you're right. And so then we were kind of led through one of the great rooms was where we had our actual workshop and Mm -hmm. then there was one right behind it, which I believe is one of the dining rooms, but we could see into the other great room. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was, the fireplace was, I mean, super big and huge and tall, which obviously, you know, they use that to heat the rooms and stuff, but we weren't allowed upstairs. And then there was like a little teeny tiny powder room that we could use for the restroom. Interesting. That's, I'm glad you're jumping in like that because I was wondering, I've only Mm -hmm. like peered through the windows. (laughs) And one really cool thing is the house does have a wraparound porch around the entire ground level. Yes. Which is really cool. So we're going to fast forward to 1943. And at this time, Thomas Gilcrease is living in San Antonio, Texas. And his house is just sitting empty. He has already been married and divorced twice. (laughs) He has three children who are already grown. Mm -hmm. And he decided to open his house up and have it operate as an orphanage for Native American children in the surrounding area. Okay. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. His brother and sister-in-law were the ones who ran the orphanage Mm -hmm. in his absence. Girls would sleep on the second floor, and the boys would sleep in another area of the property. The property also had a barn and a garage on it, and I read somewhere that Gilcrease had a separate building constructed for the boys to stay in okay i was like god i hope they didn't have to sleep in the barn (laughs) well i mean he maybe he renovated it i don't know (laughs) the thomas gilcrease house wasn't opened as an orphanage for very long by 1949 the price of oil had dropped so low that he was unable to keep funding the the house as an orphanage and okay. had to shut it down. Okay. The house then became his private residence. When the oil prices plummeted, this put Gilcrease in severe debt. Mm-hmm. The city of Tulsa actually paid it off. Oh. And it was at the time in 1949, it was $2.5 million oh, wow. of debt. So in today's money, that would be a little over $31 million. I don't think the city of Tulsa would be able to do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read that um, they did that because at this time, the museum had been built on the property. Oh, okay. And so his most of his art collection Mm -hmm. was in the museum. And so it was, they were worried that, since he had this debt, he yeah. would end up taking that art collection and leaving Tulsa. Yeah. And so they 
wanted to keep him here so they paid it off but it was like it had stipulations yeah and i think it said like he deeded it uh-huh. so he ended up deeding all of the property including mm-hmm. the art and stuff to tulsa okay. and then he was able to kind of pay back the debt to tulsa okay, okay. by the revenue i guess that kind of came in from yeah. the museum and whatnot uh, something very similar like the overholsters he yeah. wanted his house to go right. to the city okay yeah so and i'll mention this again later but the city of tulsa actually still owns the entire property of gilcrease which is 460 acres okay and if you've ever been to gilcrease or if you haven't they have his original house there was the museum yes but there was other buildings Mm -hmm. on the property as well and i know it was like facilities for different kinds of research Mm -hmm. and of course I mentioned there was like 23 different gardens, I think. I feel like Or it's 23 acres of gardens. But they have different kinds of gardens that I read represented different Native American heritage or uh, something to that effect. It's a large property. Yeah. I know TU had a big facility there across from the actual museum. And that's because the city of Tulsa owns it, Mm -hmm. but Tulsa University actually maintains it. Okay, yeah. So that's why. Was Thomas Gilcrease, is he originally from Oklahoma? I know you said he was living like in South Tulsa when he Uh, made an offer on Gilcrease. I, no. He was born in... I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it looks like Robeline, Louisiana. Okay. In uh, 1890. Okay. Just because you asked. <laughs> he actually, his mom was of Creek okay. descent. That was going to be my next and question. So, yeah, he actually, when he was, I think I want to say nine or 10 years old, mm-hmm. he got put on the Creek Nation rolls. Okay. And he actually got 160 acres of land allotment yeah. from the government mm-hmm. and actually it was in the Glenpool oil uh, there's a big well reserve yeah there's a big reserve there that's where his land was okay and so oh. I, I believe that's now Glenpool uh-huh he had all of his oil company and by the his early 20 20s he was already like a multi-millionaire okay so I was going to ask if he was Native American, but yes, you he's, answered. He's Creek. He's Creek. Creek Indian okay. or Creek Native American. Sorry. Because I know when we visited the museum, we actually, it was really cool. We got to see some behind the scenes, the mm-hmm. storage closet. Oh, yeah. And I will tell you that the way they had to store these artifacts, the rows were so, like, you could not raise, like, your elbows up Mm -hmm. from your arms. And the shelves were probably 12 to 15 feet. Mm -hmm. And we went in one, and they were able to show us headdresses and bows and arrows. And there were some buffalo heads that they could show us and um, a lot of they have so much pottery yes. and arrowhead type yes. things at the museum, along with very famous Native American sculptures right. and paintings. Yes. But I think the neatest part, and a lot of it, they couldn't they couldn't showcase. And you know, they had all these you know clothing items and mm-hmm. things. I'm hoping that they are rebuilding so that they can put a lot of those things right. on display. Because the lady, I don't know if she was the curator, or what she was, but she did said they had more artifacts in storage mm-hmm. than they were ever able to display. Right. So it's a really neat museum to mm-hmm. visit. And if you like art and history. Yes. Because there's a lot of that there. Yes. I have something I'll say at the end, but it'll tie into that. Oh. Thomas Gilcrease, very wealthy. It's kind of heartbreaking that he had, his money was all in this oil, like mm-hmm. all the oil barons. Yes. That ended up just losing almost everything because of 
oil prices dropping in the late 40s and early 50s. I didn't know that that happened in the 40s and 50s. I was going to ask, like, how did he fare during the Great Depression? And in the Dust Bowl, I mean, I guess the Dust Bowl didn't really affect this corner of, of Oklahoma. I don't think it affected him at all. Okay. Because he was still collecting art. Now, I can't remember... <sighs> I've, I've written it down in other notes, but I can't remember when he divorced his first wife, mm-hmm. but they were married for like 14 years. And I know when they got divorced is kind of, and I think it was around like 1922, I want to say, mm-hmm. is when he left here and kind of went to Europe and was touring all the big cities and all the art institutes mm-hmm. that they had there. And that's really kind of how his obsession with art. His vision. His vision of art. He thought, oh, that's something I want to do. Okay. But his art was mainly geared toward Native American history and art done by Native Americans. Okay. So really, during the Depression, he he didn't, it didn't affect him. Mm -mm, Not at all. It doesn't seem that way. Okay. When I was reading up on him. Okay. I mean, it never, like, even in the Overholsers, it didn't seem that, of course, Henry Overholser was already gone by that point, but mm-hmm. it didn't seem like it affected any yeah. of his family's business. Yeah, either. I, I don't think it affected yeah. him at all. Okay. The things that affected him was his failed marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, Gilcrease ended up deeding everything, including his large art collection housed in the Thomas Gilcrease Institute of Native American History and Art, a.k.a. the Gilcrease Museum. <laughs> Why's everything got to have such a long name? Yeah, I'm glad they shortened it. Yeah. <laughs> His house and the gardens were on the property as well. Thomas Gilcrease lived in the sandstone house up until his death, which was in 1962 when he died from a fatal heart attack. So he actually donated the final group of artwork that he had to the museum that houses his entire collection anyway. His house and the gardens and all of it became a part of the current museum and grounds. And this totals... About 460 acres. Now, are you ready for this spooky stuff? Yes, I'm ready. It would seem that Thomas Gilcrease was just as obsessed with his art and death as he was in life. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's keeping watch over his property. Sightings of the Gilcrease's ghost happen so often, it's resulted in a very high turnover rate for the night watch guards. <laughs> well, I wonder why. I guess he creeps them out. Sources said that he loves to visit his art in the museum and he can be seen roaming his beloved gardens as well as his former home where his presence can be felt on both floors. As if to say hello to the museum staff and the curators who manage the house and museum, he has appeared as a solid figure, but usually it's just only once. Employees have said that they have heard footsteps all around the house. They've seen doors open and close by themselves and have occasionally heard a big bang coming from one of the upstairs rooms. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Um, One source mentioned a story about one night guard who reported that on his first night of work. Oh, geez. Yeah. He found a man. Now, mind you, the museum was closed at the time. Yeah. Like it, it was closed for business. He found a man wearing a suit and a bowler hat sitting and looking at a painting. <laughs> he approached the man and demanded his name and the reason why he was there. <laughs> well, yeah. The man looks at him, points <laughs> to the painting that he's been looking at, and he's like... <laughs> Apparently, he said, this is a Remington painting. In all of Remington's paintings, he hides a rabbit. Can you find the rabbit? And the guard was shocked and probably shocked? like, what? what? What is, what? <laughs> and he asked again, can you see the rabbit? Can you find the rabbit? And so when the guard <laughs> looked away from the man to search for this rabbit, and then look back at the man. The man was gone. Yep. Ooh. And later, I guess he had like, he kept 
calling in on his, I don't know, his walkie talkie or whatever <laughs> it was that, you know, that someone was in the museum. He didn't know where they are. They needed to look for him. And I guess he kept trying to write a report about it. And yeah. finally, his supervisor came to him and showed him a portrait and asked if this was the man, was the man that he had seen. And the guard said, yes. <laughs> and the supervisor told him, well, that's Mr. Gilcrease. And he died 20 years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, if I was that guard and found that out, I'd be like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> First and last, last day. Right. And I think the source said that he was actually, he came from another state and I want to say it was Illinois, but I'm not 100%. He came because he was moving here and he wanted to come become a police officer. So he was <laughs> attending like the police academy. And while he was attending school, he was taking this yeah, like a, a night like, job. Because apparently he got the job like super quick. And he was like, <laughs> Oh, yes. And then he was like, I can't Aw. imagine why. <laughs> So that was just one story. <laughs> Another Ooh. story was told about a time when the museum was putting out a rare collection of art pieces. And there was this one piece of art that the museum workers had placed on a top shelf of a display. Mm -hmm. When they came in the next day, it was missing. They couldn't find it. So when they finally found it, it was like on a bottom shelf somewhere tucked away <laughs> on the floor. And they were like, what? So they get it out, put it back. Well, this continued on Mr. For a Gilchrist few days. did not like that piece of artwork. Well, what's okay, so it happened a few times. And then the workers finally realized that that one piece of art didn't go with that collection. Oh. <laughs> and so when they realized that, they took it down, they removed it. Nothing was ever tampered with again. So, it just goes to show how like, you Gilchrist was <laughs> very particular about his art. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't mess with my stuff. <laughs> um, the museum's gift shop has had activity as well. Workers have witnessed the radio mysteriously turning on and off its by, by itself. Uh, they've actually replaced the radio and it still continues to happen. <laughs> and one time the radio had turned on and they were just like, we're not even going to mess with it. So yeah. they left and the radio just stayed on all night. <laughs> he wanted some music to well, listen to. Well, and apparently to. he was uh, a music lover. Okay. But <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny and creepy at the same right. time. That's um, something else. I don't, you know, don't yank my hair. Don't leave your body impression in a bed. Don't turn on music while I, I'm alone. I would be like, if I'm closing someone as closing with me right. i am not staying here i'm not by witnessing myself. this alone and someone's walking me out the door <laughs> yeah. uh, another ghostly presence is a phantom cat so visitors have reported i have heard a lot of places that have phantom cats it's never a phantom dog it's interesting because i didn't read anything about him having a cat or i mean if he had a barn on the property then maybe he did have a cat i don't know i just never saw anything mm -hmm. mentioned that he had like a beloved pet or anything like that i don't know if i'd want to see a phantom dog makes me think or a of, cat yeah well i don't because cats will touch you they'll like rub up against you oh. <laughs> i think i'd rather have my hair pulled yeah i think i would too <laughs> because then i'd probably be i wouldn't notice it but i'd be like did you touch me and you're like no i'm like in okay. my head, I could blame you. Right. And but I, if a cat rubs up against me that isn't there, I can't blame anybody else. Oh, <laughs> anyway, so visitors have reported hearing a cat meowing, but can never find it. And some... <laughs> no, who, that's worse. Well, but some who have gone up to the front door and looked through the front door window that's there. Sometimes nope, nope, I've seen nope, like nope. a ghostly cat like running <laughs> no running through the foyer. Oh. So I was like Ew. I don't like that. No, no. I at did all. not experience a cat while I was there. Well I think if I saw that, my first thought wouldn't be, I just saw a ghost cat. I probably would have been like, they have a cat in there. <laughs> Was there like, a cat what? in there before? How'd okay. a cat get in there? How come I can't go in right. there but the 
cat can. Like, okay, <laughs> why do they not have ghost tours there? No, I was wondering. Or have myself. any type of tour, like set the house back. It's literally, when I was there, it was empty. It was literally empty. Well, and I think they should because I would go see it, but maybe yeah. because a lot of the paranormal activity that takes place there, maybe they're just trying to respect his. Because I think uh, they were telling us they used to have events there. Um, but now nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not really sure. But who do we write? Terry French. <laughs> Terry, Terry French. Please get on this. Yes. Okay. So, other reports tell of about seven ghostly Native American children who probably once lived there. Was... I was going to ask. Okay, it was an orphanage. It was during a time when child death wasn't uncommon. Well, Were there was, any deaths It in opened the house? in 1943, yeah. so I'm sure there was some diseases mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. weren't uh, didn't have vaccinations for at the time. Yeah. I didn't read about any specific child deaths okay. that happened there, just that these seven children are there. But it's believed that Maybe they just were like happy there or yeah, and miserable that's what there. One of the two. Yeah, that's what it said. It said they probably once lived there and when it was an orphanage and just remembered it fondly and then they just came back to play. It said that the children have been sensed and seen in the house and that toys have been placed and misplaced <laughs> in the house. Always and the toys. Apparently, the children also love to play among the 23 acres of gardens that Gilcrease established there. So I think it's just a fun place that they remembered and wanted okay, to go yeah, back okay. to. Also, another thing that I don't want to experience is ghost children. I find that more creepy for some reason mm-hmm. than if it was an I adult. should start a list of the things Tiff doesn't want to experience <laughs> right. when she goes on a ghost hunt. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me the list is long. So. It keeps growing but yet yeah. I want to go on one. <laughs> right. It's also been said that paranormal investigators have picked up voice recordings of a woman singing and one source thought that mentioned about Flowers Nelson's fiance who died that it might be her oh but I don't know because that was the only source I saw that yeah. said that I thought that that was interesting they've picked up the sound of men arguing and <laughs> strange whispers which I think strange I like whispers either. creeps me out more than a woman singing yeah or men arguing I could listen to that thinking I was about to get some tea to bill and <laughs> right and like ah oh, this conversation happened a hundred years ago yeah i mean i'd be interested to know what they were arguing about <laughs> there's been reports of major temperature fluctuations unexplainable technical malfunctions and items that just mysteriously disappear only to show up later in places where they don't belong um terry french who wrote tulsa's haunted memories and she's also the founder of the tulsa spirit tours go check it out we mentioned them in our last show yes she mentioned in an article Maybe from she'll be friends with us <laughs> that'd be cool um she mentioned in an article from channel 2 news oklahoma that when she and a team of investigators went to the gilcrease house and i quote cameras would fail cell phones would shut off or wouldn't work at all it's just weird we never turned the bus off because we were afraid at one <laughs> they point we turned the we bus went, off yeah <laughs> Because, well, listen, we were we never turned the bus off because we were afraid at one point we wouldn't be able to get it started. It was because he's got a room for you in his house. Oh, I was just like, <laughs> oh, man, I would be running off of that property. She believes that because the house was built with the local sandstone, it plays a major part in the spooky activity. Like quartz, sandstone carries a lot of energy to help manifest things happening in the house. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew quartz I, was supposed to carry yeah, energy I, no sandstone. I didn't know that either, but I thought that was interesting. interesting. Great. Because it was the house was made from the local sandstone. That whole part of the state is made of sandstone. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. I how haunted sand springs is. <laughs> right. <laughs> She also mentioned that animals are scared of whatever lurks in the house. And I'm just going to read... 
whatever uh, lurks in the house. Yeah, that's what how it was worded. Oh my lurks. gosh. And I'm just going to read. I doubly feel robbed. I felt nothing in that house. Well, oh, I need uh, to go back. Uh, I'm just going to read this direct quote from her. And it was in the Channel 2 News article. So a couple of years back, they installed a bunch of new security cameras and they kept going off in the south bedroom one evening. Tulsa police were called and they came out with trained police dogs where they tried to go up the stairs. The dogs absolutely refused to go up. They started whimpering and wouldn't budge. They ran out of the house and when the police went up there by themselves, not a living soul was there. Now, another source said something similar, but it was like an alarm in the museum was going off and when the police arrived with the canine unit, the dog got uh, to some stairs and refused to go up. It's like, not today. And they ended up having to carry the dog back outside because he wouldn't move. Poor B. But it was very similar, but the police never found anyone in the museum, never discovered anything missing and never found any kind of explanation of what ever tripped the alarm system it's called a ghost i'm almost done but i think i mentioned it but i'm gonna say it again thomas gilcrease did die in his home and his parents are actually him and his parents are actually buried on the property so there's like i think it's kind of like a mausoleum yes yes, there's a mausoleum there yes so they are buried there which (laughs) i mean it just it just dials up the spook factor and i think it's interesting that he haunts the place but his parents don't anyway so oh all spirits that have remained on the property all of which are reported harmless and they only linger because they like it there okay none of them are like malicious or anything like that kind of like the over over hoser over holster over holster because you didn't grow up in oklahoma i didn't i very much did not (laughs) (laughs) real quick i do want to mention that the museum and grounds are owned by the city of tulsa but it's managed by tulsa university super fun fact the gilcrease museum houses one of the world's most extensive and renowned collections of native american and western art and artifacts Mm -hmm. it is just such a cool place to visit and uh, you know like we said earlier unfortunately it is closed right now i was just googling pictures of what it's going to look like when they're finished Uh it is going to be breathtakingly beautiful good i didn't really think it was anything special to look at like on the outside before so i'm excited to see how they're going to do it and hopefully it is bigger and they're able to to display more of their artifacts yes but i really wish that the i wish that you could go inside the house i do too gosh i just think it would be really cool and especially if they restored it to what it looked like back in its heyday exactly like are there some you know his furnishings maybe i don't know where they would be but could they put them or get some replicas even when i tried to google pictures of the Mm -hmm. inside of the house nothing came up yeah because i googled pictures too and it's mainly just the outside of the house or the museum but i was kind of curious if because you know there's a museum gift shop Mm -hmm. i wondered i'm sure they probably have a book or something about the house or something somebody knows someone that could get us inside there slide into our dms yeah i just i'm just curious i want to know me too you okay you obviously can't go to the museum but you still can go on the gardens like yes yes, i believe yes and i think you can still kind of walk around the outside of his house yes you can because like when we were there getting our pictures taken you can ride ride you can walk right up to the front door and peer inside walk around the complete veranda Mm -hmm. so once it's back open you guys should definitely go and check it out Mm -hmm. because it's it's really a neat place and it's a big piece of history especially oklahoma history Uh, yes you can find the gilcrease museum at 1400 North Gilcrease Museum Road in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, you should definitely check out their webs- their website. It's gilcrease.org. And y'all, that's the Thomas Gilcrease House. 
So two great places to visit here in our state. Well, and if you guys didn't notice, we kind of picked places from our hometown areas. areas, Yes. So So, yeah. Hey, if you guys know anything additional about either one of those sites, please let us know. Please let us know. Write, Write to us. Write to us. Message us. You know, respond to the Facebook pages or the Instagram pages. You know, yeah, we'd love to hear your experiences if you have any. Yes, absolutely, definitely check both those places out. Like Tiff said earlier, we are definitely going to the Overholzer. <laughs> yes. You got it. Um, you can sometime hair, you can next get your month. hair pulled because you're not saying their name right. <laughs> Next week is true crime. Dun, dun, dun. I think that's what everyone's been waiting on. They're waiting on us to get into some, yeah, some well, true crime. Well, I do know my older brother, James, shout out, has really enjoyed the outlaws. He, he told me he really going to get mad it, that so. I haven't shouted her out. So. Hey, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> All you other cousins out there. Yeah. <laughs> All y'all. Well, Tiff. Where can they find us? Well, here you go. You can find us at CuriousCousinsOkay at gmail.com. Email us with any suggestions or comments or concerns, listener tales. Let us know. Um, On Instagram, we're at at CuriousCousinsOkay. CuriousCousinsOkay podcast on Facebook. At CuriousCousinOkay on Twitter, but it's at C-U-R-I-O-U-S-C-U-Z-N-O-K. And of course, you can get us on any of your major podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music. So, but yeah, we will see you next week for a little true crime. And Jessica, tell them what to keep it. Keep it cookie and spooky. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.